Aloha and Taloha everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Ohana podcast. My name is Lima and I am your host. And today's episode is all about uh, discipline and Christ's Ohana. Discipline and Christ's Ohana. You know, discipline is is very important and it is often sometimes uh, uh, a sensitive topic uh, because because we tend to have different methods and sometimes different understanding of the term discipline, right? And so uh, to clarify what I want to talk about uh, today, let's let's define the term. Right. I want us to define the term. So discipline as a noun, here's one dictionary and pretty much they're, an, uh, um, they're pretty much saying the same thing across the different dictionaries. Here's one of them. Discipline as a noun is training that corrects modes or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. All right. Let me say that again. Training that corrects modes or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. Uh, as a verb, discipline as a verb means to punish or penalize for the sake of enforcing obedience and perfecting moral character. And in this podcast, uh, we're, we're going to be talking about both, right? Discipline as a noun and discipline as a verb as we uh, talk about this subject pertaining to not only the Lord's family, but also in our own families all uh, as parents disciplining their children and then uh talking about god disciplining his people his family right and so discipline is a good thing the the bible speaks of it as it being necessary absolutely necessary without discipline you will you will have uh children who are uh disrespectful you will have um uh, uh, kids growing up with sense of entitlement or, or or have no respect for authority and so on and so forth. Discipline is necessary for society to function properly. Just think about it this way. Uh, uh, the laws that our government puts out there, like the speed, speed limits, uh, the laws uh, concerning crime, uh, criminal activity, uh, the laws that are uh, concerning um, uh, cyber uh, crime and, and everything like that, we, 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 we understand that those laws are necessary, right? And those laws are there as form of discipline. They are teaching us, training us, molding the fiber of society so that you don't have a society where people just kill each other off and they be okay with it. Right? If that was the case, if there was no discipline or a form of law or governing or training or teaching, right? If, if none of that is, is available in society, then we would be living in a constant state of chaos. Right? Everyone will do what is right in their own eyes. There would be a lot of stealing, a lot of killing, a lot of lies. There would just be no social order. All right. You know, the same is true within churches, right? If the truth is not heralded, if the truth is not being taught and, and, and obeyed by members of the church, you can have a church 
that is divided and things can be chaotic and 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 you 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 basically won't won't have a church right because because the idea of of the church is to follow god and to obey god and to worship god and to do god's will right uh same thing within our own families if there is no teaching or training Right, training that corrects and mold and perfects the mental faculties or moral character. If we don't have that in our own families, we will have chaos within our families. Again, we will raise children who will not obey law or uh, authority, uh, who will be disrespectful to, you know, to those, to their elders and, and to the law and so on and so forth. Right. So discipline is absolutely necessary. And it's it's one of the key things that's keeping society normal. That's keeping us from, you know, uh, falling over the edge and just chaos ensues. Right. That's why we're thankful that we have laws that govern society. We have and then we're thankful we have God's law that governs our hearts that keeps us sane, that keeps us holy, that keeps us uh, disciplined or self-control, uh, obedient to the will of God. And that, when we do that, it blesses the environment. It blesses our our families. It blesses our community. It blesses all those who are around us. Right? So discipline is a good thing. I noticed some of the scriptures that talk about discipline being good, right? Uh, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Proverbs 12 and verse 1. Correcting someone is part of discipline. Right? Parents, when you correct your children, right? When you when they make a mistake, remember they are still children. Uh sometimes I I have to remind myself of that. Uh, because sometimes we try to put the adult head on the children. Right? You you're trying to put 40 years of or 30 or 40 years of experience on earth on a child who's only two or three years old, right? And that can affect and impact their mental faculties in a negative way. Right? So we have to remember that when we correct our children, um, you know, we, we have to be sensitive to their age. They're still kids, right? And so uh, here's another proverb, proverb 30, uh, proverb, 13 and verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Right? Discipline. Instruction is discipline. Right? Uh, our, you, we cannot expect our children to know how to behave right if we don't spend time to give them instruction. Right? The same true in our relationship with God. Right. God gave us instructions in his holy word. Right. Imagine, imagine if God expected us to live holy lives without any instruction, without without knowing how to be holy, without knowing what is holy and what is not unholy. Right. And, and so like God, we, we should be that way. Right. He gives instructions. And, and so uh it would be wise for us to heed his instructions. All right. Uh, several, several other passages here. Um, Proverbs 25 verse 28. 
A man without control is like a city broken into and left without walls. The the idea there, a man without self-control, I should say. Self-control there, that's part of discipline, right? Governing oneself, holding oneself within, right? Not 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 um not allowing uh our emotions to run wild and then and then and and then we let all of that baggage out in such a manner that that is not healthy for the environment or even for our for us in self image right uh proverbs 22 verse 15 folly is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of discipline drives it far from him right there's a rod of discipline there's a lot of uh uh, different uh, interpretations of what this rod really means. Uh, I like to allow the scriptures to interpret the scriptures. Uh, the rod of discipline. Uh, when you think about the rod, you're talking about Jewish people here. You're talking about those who are uh, shepherds and and uh, uh, herdsmen. Uh, the psalmist, when when he talks about God, and he said. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In the world of of shepherding, right? Uh, the rod was was used as a weapon, right? The rod was used as a weapon uh, to punish predators, right? It, it was it was part of the punishment, uh, uh, the the arsenal for you know. Chasing away the predators from the sheep. That's the idea, the rod of discipline. When when you think about it here in Proverbs 22 and verse 15, folly is bound in the, in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it away. All right? You want to drive folly away, chase folly away from the child. There's a rod of discipline for him. All right? And so... If we're going to apply that, uh, that means there's instruction involved. There's there's patience involved in this discipline process, but also there are times, and you 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 parent know this. There there are times, and some of you may disagree. Uh, there are times when you know physical punishment, like a slap or a pat on the back, on the behind, or you know uh, um. Uh, uh, physical punishment is part of the of of discipline, all right. If I could say our curriculum of discipline, right? Uh, I'll share this. Me personally, uh, I always, I always, and Athena and I do this. We try our best at this. We we don't, um, especially with our older kids, we hardly spank them anymore. Uh, um uh, don't 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 get mad because I mentioned the word spank, uh, but I want to say this, right? Um we we don't go to physical punishment as a first first step, right? When when the kids make a mistake, we have to think about did we instruct them about this? All right, was instruction given? All right. That we give many chances, right? We do practice grace, just like God does, right? He he practiced grace. God doesn't always punish every single error, 
right? But there is a day of judgment. Don't get me wrong. There is a day of judgment where all error will be punished. But God is grace is graceful, right? He He is gracious towards us that He doesn't punish every single mistake, punish us for every single mistake that we make. But there still is punishment. There there are times when God disciplines His children. He punished physically, punish His children uh, to 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 get them to behave. Take for example, Babylon. And Assyria came and destroyed God's people, killed many of them as physical punishment, right? And the others learned from that, from their mistakes. And, and, and many of them were taken into captivity. If you don't think that captivity for 70 years had no physical impact, then you were mistaken. But that was God disciplining his children because he gave them instruction, right? But they didn't listen to his instruction. Did he give chances to the Israelites? Absolutely he gave chances. He sent many prophets, prophet after prophet after prophet, warned Israel, warned Judah not to, to, to depart from the Lord. And then finally God said, okay, the instructions are not helping them. Here's some physical punishment, right? Assyria and Babylon. God disciplines his children right and 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 it, it includes physical punishment and he did that not because he hated the israelites he did that because he loved them he wanted them to come back to him let's go to hebrews hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 through 13 right hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 through 13 i'll read this for us and you have forgotten. Well, let me pause here. Uh, let me explain the context. In the book of Hebrews, you have uh, Jewish Christians or Christians who came out of the Jewish religion of Judaism. And so these Christians are being persecuted to go back to the law of Moses. They are, are being pressured and persecuted to give up Christ and go back to the law. Right? There were those Judaizers in the first century who tried to bind the law of Moses as the the effective covenant of the day uh, after Christ has risen, right? Is no longer in effect. And so the Hebrew writer writes to Hebrew Christians, right? To encourage them to remain. And then part of, of his writing here, especially here in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, and verse five, he, he brings up and he highlights, you know, for them, that these difficult challenges, these difficult times, sometimes uh, mentally difficult, often physically difficult, these difficult challenges, some of the ways God disciplined his people. All right. And so going, going to Hebrews chapter 12, um, notice verse 3. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and read verse 3 and then continue into verse uh, 5 to 13. For consider him, that is Jesus, who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So it hasn't gotten to the point where they're dying. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. 
For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Notice, notice what God does to his sons. Right? It says it right here that he chastens them. He disciplines them. All right? Now, continue the reading, verse 7. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Right? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Right? Uh, I see... As he often, children don't respect their parents because the parents do not discipline them. The parents do not instill in them values and respect. The parents do not give guidelines, instruction, and laws that they can live by. And so these children, they 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 are they're actually controlling the the controlling the relationship between the parent and the child. And, and notice that here in the scriptures, the apostle. Um, the writer of Hebrews, so I almost said it, the Apostle Paul. I believe it was Apostle Paul. But the writer of Hebrews, uh, he, he says that about their own houses, right? He, he mentioned already God disciplines his children, right? Discipline uh, of the family of God. But then he, he mentions here their own families within their own household. There's, there's discipline involved and respect comes from that. Respect is the, the outcome, right? Reading that again. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. You know, when I look back at my relationship with my dad, uh, the instruction he's given me, the mercy he has shown me, but also there were times when he physically punished me. I, I look back and I, I thank my father. I thank him for, for, uh, for, taking the time uh, to care for me and me and my siblings. I, I thank him that we were disciplined, right? You have families, sometimes you have families that that, um, that don't have a father figure or the father died early and then children grow up. And, and if mom is not strong in her, in her disciplining the children, in her giving guidelines, uh, the children can, can, can be difficult. They can get in trouble with the law, with the authorities. They can end up in jail and and whatnot. And, and all because, right? You, there, there's that absence of of authority or that the discipline in the home. And and so, right. Continuing the reading, shall we not much more? Right. Paul, uh, the Hebrew writer says. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we pay them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? His point is, if we respect the discipline of our fathers, we should respect the discipline of our God. Right? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them. But he, speaking of God, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Oh, that is so true. All right. Correction, uh, even with words, but often physically, physical correction. Uh, and I think back to the times that, I, that, that my dad 
uh, you know, did punish me physically because, you know, I didn't listen to the instructions. I, I stepped all over his mercy and his grace. And so it was time for him to spank me. All right. Please don't get mad. I use the word spank. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Notice that. Discipline. All right. Giving of instruction, practicing grace and mercy. But then there are times when it's necessary to punish physically. That can bring about this fruit. Someone who obeys the law. Someone who follows the Lord. Someone who respects their parents. All right. Therefore, the reading continues, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. We see here, God disciplines his children. He does it through the word, through instru instruction, but also through experience, through the physical experience that we go through in life. When we're suffering, you know, uh, for doing the right thing, we count ourselves worthy because we're suffering as Christ suffered, right? And we glorify God in that behalf, right? And so, uh, I want to want to share more proverbs here. Um, when it comes to disciplining our children within our own houses, right? Proverbs twenty-two verse fifteen: Folly is bound. Well, I already read that one, um, but uh, Proverbs uh, 29, Proverbs 29, verse 17. Uh, well, back up to verse 15, right? The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother, right? Uh, discipline your children the way you see fit, uh, but also consider the will of God, right? What, what is the goal for disciplining your child? You want someone who grows up to love you, respect you, but also you want someone who grows up to be God-fearing, uh, someone that, that is a good citizen in society who obeys the laws of society, but ultimately obeys the laws of God. And Proverbs 29 verse 15 tells us this, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. A child left to himself not only brings shame to his mother, a child left to himself can grow up and be a killer, can grow up and, 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 and hurt other people, right? Can grow up and, and have no respect for authority. We cannot leave our children to themselves. I notice verse 17, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. There's a lot of truth here. Without disciplining the son, the son grows up. He caused turmoil, caused restlessness uh, in the heart of the father and the mother. Um, I remember there was a time when I was in the world and, you know, I, I started drinking alcohol. Right? This was before I became a Christian. I didn't grow up in a church. Um, but, you know, I, I used to go to church every Sunday, uh, in the Methodist church that I attended, Um I'll go to church every Sunday, but as I got older, I stopped going to church. I started doing my own thing, 
And then when I got my own job, I started to, you know, I started drinking and, and becoming very worldly. And I, I remember my mom would not rest because of me. Right. And the reason why she would not rest because, because literally she would not sleep because of me, because when I'm out drinking late at night, I don't come home till like 3 a.m. Right. And when I do come home, right, I I, I drove drunk. I, I came home and and my mom's sitting outside of the house waiting for me. Right? She's sitting there. Sometimes she sat there with tears. And she would tell me, why are you doing this? Right? She would stay up all night, restless. Because, you know, I, I departed from the discipline. I, I decided to do my own thing and, and not respect the teachings from my parents, not respect God. Right? And so there's so much truth in this proverb. Proverbs 29, verse 17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest he will give delight to your heart. Proverbs uh, 23 verse 13 says this. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Let, let, me, let me share this insight uh, to our home. There was a time, and this was a while back, I think seven years ago uh, or longer. Uh, there was a time in our house that, that me and Athena were were in disagreement uh, whether we should, you know, um, use physical punishment. Now, again, I come from that background. Right? Athena uh, grew up and, and she never really got spanked, uh, but she would get, you know, instruction and things like that. Uh, me, on the other hand, because of the type of child I was, uh, even though I was given instruction, even though I was given some mercy and grace, some second chances by my father, it was necessary for my parents to strike me with a rod. As you can see, I am not dead. I have not died. And um, I said, as you can see on a podcast, as you can hear. <laughs> but anyways, you know, if, if you strike your children, I want us to understand something. Uh, again, I'm not a family therapist. I'm not a professional at uh, 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 mental uh, health or whatnot, and or in uh, in in family psychology or, or or related fields. But but I will say this, right? Because this is this is experience uh, that I've had with my own children, that I've had with my own parents, right? When I was punished, it worked. When my when my mom striked me, many times she struck me. I learned to behave. All right, I never built resentment towards my parents. I never grew up and said, "I'm never gonna do that to my children," because because of depression that I'm that I'm having from being spanked. I, I never felt that. Maybe maybe some people that that's the case, but maybe but maybe. It's the, it's the way it's been carried out. That's the issue. And I will share this, right? Uh, there, there were times, and I've asked God for forgiveness, and I've asked my, 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 especially my son for forgiveness. There were times that out of frustration, right, after instructions, after chances, right? And I give, a very, I give very few chances uh, way back when, 
I I give more chances now. I want my kids to to understand mercy and grace as well. But back then, I I would punish my son out of frustration, out of anger. Parents don't ever do that, right? It it's it's just not. It doesn't help. And so, what happened? What what happened then to 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 my son? I started noticing that that he he has built within his mind this this reaction. He would have this reaction when he makes mistakes around me, right? And when he makes mistakes around me, he he would have this reaction like like he's expecting me to strike him with something. Now now I don't strike him in an abusive way. You know, I I, I use a um uh, um I use a stick or or uh and basically I, I, I hit him on the back of his butt. And so uh, or sometimes I, I hit his hands, right? And so sometimes we, we try to use these passages to justify spanking. And it does talk about that. It it does talk about physical punishment. It literally says, if you strike him with a rod, he will not die, right? And, and, and just logically, logically, if you, again, follow the illustration I gave you on the other passage about the shepherd's rod and the shepherd's staff and the purpose for these tools, the rod was, was a rod of punishment, right? Here, it's the rod of discipline. It drives out, you know, uh, stupidity and and folly, <laughs> if you will. And so the Bible says, and this is God speaking, right? Not Lima speaking, not some therapist speaking, or not some professional. This is God speaking. I, I, I believe God knows what he's talking about. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. Physical punishment is necessary. But it has to be carried out properly, right? We we need to talk to our children and explain why we're punishing them. If you in every situation of discipline, there always has to be instruction. There always has to be instruction. There always has to be patience, right? Parents, we cannot dish out discipline out of frustration. It, it won't work very well. Again, don't put a thirty-year-old head. On a two-year-old or on a two, I don't spank my two-year-old, on on a four-year-old child or a five-year-old child, and and you name you name the age. All right, don't do that. If you're going to strike your child, and and this is something we have, I have learned to do, that after several instruction, after giving chances, I when I when I know that is wise to to give the punishment, I explain to to my children. You, do you know why I'm about to 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 give you this punishment, right? It's because daddy has said this many times. You still do not listen, and daddy has given you many chances, and 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 give and and giving you opportunity to do it. You still do not listen, and now I'm gonna teach you one more time to listen, and this this is the method, right, of discipline. And so, you know, it's it's so important to practice discipline. 
I want to transition now to the church. This is probably going to be the longest podcast. Um, transition now to the church. In the church, there has to be discipline in the church. Right? We see that in the New Testament. That discipline is necessary because you cannot have uh, uh, people who are Christians living in sin among the church. You cannot have people who are Christian being unholy, being bad examples to the flock. Those individuals, yes, they need grace and mercy, but you know what they also need? They also need correction. They also need rebuke. They also need discipline. And the Lord Jesus, not Lima, the Lord Jesus gave the church instruction on how to discipline an individual. Now, before we get to that uh, uh, part of church discipline, I do want to say this. Discipline exists in the church in various forms, right? In various forms. It's not always this withdrawing of fellowship. That's the very last part of it, right? But, but church discipline happens when the word of God is preached, right? That's training. That's molding. That's teaching. When the word of God is preached and the people are listening to the word, that's part of the training. We're being molded into the character of Christ, not by the one doing the preaching, but by the powerful and holy word of God. Right? When we study the Bible on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, or even as individuals in our homes, when we study the Bible collectively or individually, we are being disciplined by God, right? We're instructed by God. We are learning his will about his authority. And, and that way we can respect him. We can revere him and walk accordingly. When we use the word of God to correct one another, Galatians 6, verse 1 and verse 2, right? If anyone's in a sin, you know, uh, let one encourage him. Let me just go there and, and read that for us before I but butcher it by, by trying to quote it. I don't remember it off the top of my head right now. But Galatians 6, verse 1 and verse 2. Brethren, if any man is overtaken in the trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Notice that. All right. When we do that, we are disciplining one another. We are practicing church discipline, right? And so these, these are all forms of discipline in the church. When we hear the word of God preached, when we study it collectively and individually, when we correct one another and encourage one another, iron sharpens iron. And then, and then when we go through the process that Jesus gave to us to follow when in dealing with sin and disciplining the one who is living in sin. Right. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 20 tells us that. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. You offer correction, discipline. And your brother being humble or sister being humble hears you and they say, you're right. I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. Uh, please forgive me. That's church discipline. Jesus then continues further. But if he will not hear, what happens if you offer correction and he doesn't hear you? Right? What happens if you try to tell him, brother or sister, you are in sin and they are in denial? Right? 
What if he will not hear? Jesus says, if he will not hear, take with you one or two more witnesses, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. The mouth of two or three witnesses was a practice of the Jews. Jesus is speaking to the Jews. Under the old law, it was necessary uh, to have two or three or more witnesses uh, to affirm something had happened, right? No, not one person will be a witness against another. There has to be two or three more right, to establish the matter. And Jesus said, when you, you know, you bring those witnesses. And then he says, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Tell it to Christ, Ohana. Have the whole family involved. Notice, it doesn't say, tell it to the elders. All right. By the way, if you're going to bring three witnesses, two or three witnesses, the elders or leaderships of the church are the best form, the elders or deacons, because they know how to handle situations like this, right? But if he refuses even to hear the church, after you tell it to the church, here's what the Bible says, let him be to you like a heathen, a tax collector. In another way of saying, let him be as an outsider. Uh, surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, in 1 Corinthians 5, there was a problem there, and discipline was practice, right? There was a problem. The problem was in Corinth, in the church in Corinth, there was a man who was sleeping with his father's wife, and the church knew about it, and the church did not practice church discipline. The church did not dare correct this man. You, you know how unloving that is? You let someone live in sin, they're going to hell because of it, all right? And so if you know about it, you want to help them. You want to save them. And that's the, the goal, right? You want to teach them uh, church discipline. There, there are two main purposes of doing it, right? The first purpose of church discipline is to save the soul of the one living in sin, to help the person come to Christ Jesus. Take, for example, let's notice there in uh, 1 Corinthians. I'd like, like to read this for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, right? Here, here's the situation that I just described. Let me read it for us. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed as absent in the body, but present in spirit have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you gather together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. That's the first purpose, right? Why, why would you want to correct someone in sin? Because you want to save their soul, right? You want to kill off the flesh, the flesh that's living in sin. And the way you do that, you discipline. The idea of delivering one to Satan is, is mean you, you discipline him. You withdraw from him. You don't have uh, 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 dealings with him. He's still a brother in Christ, but you're trying to show him, hey, what you're doing is unbecoming of a Christian. And you can't be among the church family if you're not going to live right in Christ Jesus. All right. That's why you do it. James James chapter 5, we see James also uh, confirming this practice that it is absolutely necessary. All right, let's read that. James chapter 5, notice verse 19 through 20. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth 
and someone turns him back, someone cared enough to turn him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Notice this. What's the purpose of disciplining, right? Of this, what's the purpose of following the process that Jesus gave? It's to save the soul. Here's the second purpose. Go back with me to second uh, to First Corinthians five. Here's the second purpose of church discipline is to maintain the purity of the church. In other words, uh, the first purpose, you save the soul, right? You, you, you have them feel the shame of their sin, and hopefully that will lead to godly sorrow and godly sorrow to repentance. The second purpose is to protect the family of God. You cannot have someone living in adultery, uh, having their way in the church, you cannot have someone constantly living in sin be among your children, be an example to your youth group, and so on and so forth. You just can't have that, right? Because that type of behavior is contagious. I, mean, I see that a lot here in the islands, right? When you bat your eye at sin, sin grows, and more and more people jump in and engage on it. All right, here's the second purpose of church discipline, to, to protect the church Notice verse 6 through 13, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5, 6, 6 through 13, Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, for indeed Christ is our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and in truth. Right? You have a genuine love for one another. You would correct one another in Christ Jesus. Paul's, Paul gives this idea of yeast. When you put yeast in, in dough, the, it doesn't matter which corner you put it. The whole, entire dough will rise. That's the idea of, of leaven here. And he uses this sin or the picture of leaven to describe this man's sin. If you let that be in the church, it's going to impact the entire church. All right. Continuing the reading. Notice verse nine. I wrote to you in my epistle not to what? Not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Don't be around them. So let's pause here. So don't be around everyone who's sexually immoral. So how can we save them? Paul identify or specify who he was talking about. Yet, I, verse 10, yet I certainly do not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioner or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. That's popular logic. He's not talking about the sexually immoral in the world. Right? Those people we need to save. Right, but he's talking about a sexually immoral Christian, a brother in Christ. He says, Don't keep company from them, they know better, right? They know better. Continuing on, but now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother, a Christian, who is sexually immoral, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For I have to, for what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? All right? And so the point of Paul is that church discipline, the second purpose is to ensure the purity of the church. But you have 
but you have churches where this is not practice. It is so important to do this. Second Thessalonians. If you have your Bible or you just follow along. Maybe you're driving right now. Just follow along. Second, Second Thessalonians. I want to read for us uh, from chapter three. All right. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Uh, notice with me verse six. All right. Paul says this, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, these commands are God's commands, right? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ means by the authority of Christ. We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourself yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but work with, work with labor and, and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. But what is Paul saying here? Right? He's saying to withdraw from those who proclaim Christianity, but don't follow the teachings. They don't practice it. He said you withdraw from them. They're, they are in sin. Right. Notice again, verse 14 and verse 15 of the same chapter. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. He's still a brother in Christ, but the work of church discipline. What is our purpose? To win him back to Jesus, to ensure the purity of the church. And so it's so discipline is so important, not only in, in society, in secular world, in our in our jobs, in our workplace. It's everywhere. Right. It's important. It is important in our families, parents, moms, dads, uh, those who are raising children. Please do not leave the children to themselves, please. Teach them, give them instruction, give them chances to make right. And, and if and if absolutely necessary, you you would have to exercise the rod. You have to strike them with the rod, right? Don't abuse the child, but but you know, teach them uh, uh, the will of God as, as God would have us do as parents, right? And then as the church, uh, as Christians. Discipline is, is so vital within our ohana. Without it, then we 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 may allow people to go to hell because we're we're letting them live in sin and we're not correcting them, we're not rebuking them, we're not genuinely walking in the truth and helping them to come back to Jesus. Right. And so discipline is such an important topic, not only in the world we live in. But most importantly, in spiritual matters, in raising our children, in living a holy life in the sight of God. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. As always, to God be the glory. May his word be exalted. May his word prick our hearts. May his word mold us into the image of Christ Jesus. Thanks for, Thanks for joining in today. God bless you. See you. or I I'll, I'll, I'll see you on the next episode. Take care.